Hey family, you're listening to The World Is Yours Podcast with Jasmine S. Dennis. Welcome to The World Is Yours Podcast with me, Jasmine S. Dennis. Today we have a really exciting guest. We have a true boss in the building. We have business owner, attorney, and managing partner of the law office of Tracy Udunka. Tracy is not only a powerhouse attorney, but she was recently nominated by the National Trial Lawyers Association for the Top 40 Under 40 Lawyers Award. She graduated in the third percentile from the John Marshall Law School here in Atlanta, and she specializes in personal injury claims for car and truck accidents. And get this, folks, she's only 32. So welcome to the show, Tracy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for that beautiful introduction. (laughs) Well, it was just all facts. I Googled you. So I am the managing partner of the law office of Tracy Udonka, and we specialize in car and truck wreck cases. Okay. So you got away from family law. Mm -hmm. Um, And what kind of like, you know, inspired you to go in a different direction? Well, um, some of my colleagues, they practice um, personal injury, focusing on car and truck wreck cases, and so does my mentor. And um, he actually gave me a case to help him with, and I enjoyed it. And so I was like, hmm, maybe I should keep it going when okay. it comes to car and truck race cases. So that's where I am now. Oh, wow. All right. And how did you even get into the whole attorney field? Like what inspired you to pursue that? Well, I I never wanted to be an attorney throughout like my high school years. Um, It wasn't until college where, you know, I took a class, Women in the Criminal Justice System, Mm -hmm. where we had to go out and interview women in the criminal justice system. So I thought to interview a prosecutor. Um, But out in Carrollton, their legal field is so small. It's a small city um, out on the west side of Georgia. Um, There weren't any female prosecutors, so I ended up interviewing a man. I did interview a woman, but I Mm -hmm. wanted to interview um, a guy prosecutor. His name is Pete Scandalakis of uh, Carroll County. And uh, he liked the way I spoke. He liked the questions that I asked, and he asked me to think about law school and I thought about it and here I am I'm a lawyer wow so let's talk about your area of practice car and truck injuries now we know that you know if you have a fender bender and you have insurance you know you'll you'll most likely be covered by your insurance but why is it important for you know the consumer to actually engage an attorney when they've had a car truck accident? That's a good question. Um, I think it's important because the insurance company, they're not your friend. Their main focus and their priority is for that insurance company. And if their priority and their main focus is on the insurance company, then it leaves you with nothing. Wow. So that's where you have an attorney to come in and speak on your behalf. And we're able to put, you know, certain language in a demand that kind of forces an insurance company to pay out, you know, a little bit more than what they would initially offer. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I had a client who prior to hiring me, the insurance company offered her $500. But once I got involved and I put certain language 
in the demand, they paid her out 200000 for that case. Wow. So let's just kind of talk about going from $500 to $200,000. Um, now, let me just ask you, did this client, you know, did she lose a limb or, you know, what what was the, the state of her condition? Well, they offered her $500 because she was on Medicaid. Medicaid paid um, most of her medical bills, and I think she was left with like $500. Okay. Um, so without that attorney, um, they weren't going to pay her lost wages, pain and suffering, wow. future pain and suffering. She had um, back surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's called a spinal fusion. Okay. They go into the spine and they kind of put the spine back together again through rods and nails. Okay. Um, so you can only imagine how painful that was for her, having to recover from that, not being able to work, still having pain to this day. Yeah. So they know that once she hired an attorney, it's like, okay, well, no, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to go for $500. They won't even go for $50,000. So let's just give, you know, her the full policy limit. Wow. So in that same sense, um, a person gets an offer from the insurance company to accept a, a quick offer. Now, is there anything that can be done if a person does accept a check from an insurance company? Is it, you know, are they completely done for or can they still engage an attorney? Once you accept an offer from the insurance company, that's it. Okay. It, it's over with. So before you sign anything that the insurance company offers you, you want to consult with an attorney or you could lose out on potentially, you know, any monetary rewards that you would get had you hired an attorney. Yeah. And so from, you know, my personal experience, I know that insurance companies are not going to pay you for your future doctor's visits and they're not going to pay you for, you know, the nightmares that you have after your car accident or, you know, um, the anxiety that you'll um, end up having. And so those are all things that you get your clients compensation for. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, it's important. It's important. You have to. You're entitled to that. Yeah. And most people don't know. Why do you think most people don't know that they're entitled to more money? Because the average person doesn't have um, access to, you know, um, an attorney. And I think also with, you know, attorneys, I think people think, oh, well, if I hire an attorney, I have to pay them up front. Mm-hmm. Um, most people don't know that with personal injury attorneys, we fit the bill for everything. Oh, um, wow. We're not paid by our clients. We're paid by the insurance company. So everything that we do, it's on us. Okay. So I may spend, you know, let's just say four months on a case. I'm working for free. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why we as personal injury attorneys work so hard to make sure we get the maximum amount because we want to recover just as much as you want to recover. Absolutely. Um, but we are, our main goal is to make sure that our clients are happy and have received the maximum compensation that they deserve. Wow. So that's really, really good to know. Um, and I think that insurance companies are certainly not going to tell you to consult an attorney because that would not be in their business 
best interest. Um, But for for the particular case that you were talking about where the lady went from $500 to $200,000, did it take you years to settle that? I mean, was that a a court case or what kind of case was that? Well, we actually settled that case. Um, She had the car accident in July of 2018 and she recovered January 2019. Wow. and most people don't understand that more than 90% of car accident cases settle out of court. Wow. Um, because the insurance company doesn't want to spend extra money having to hire an attorney, hire experts, court fees to go out there to defend something that they were liable for in the first place. Yeah. So, you know, unless it's like one of those cases where you're talking about a multi-million dollar case where somebody's died or, you know, six or $700,000 case where... The insurance company is literally only trying to pay the medical bills. Yeah. Then you have to take them to court. But most, most time, it's settled out of court. Okay. And so that's really good to know. Um, I think a common misconception is that if I go to court, you know, the big lawyers or the big insurance companies are just going to crush me. You know, I, I can't afford to go up against these large attorneys. But... Um, is it true that with a, a smaller boutique firm like yours, that if you guys need to get get to court and, you know, get dirty, that you guys will actually engage um, other lawyers to, to join to the team? That's a good question. And that is true. Um, I'm working on a case right now to where, you know, there was a man in a wheelchair. He got hit by a car um, in an apartment complex. Mm-hmm. Um, Had he just been on the public roadway, of course, I could take that. But because it was in an apartment complex, they potentially have more insurance than the average automobile owner. So knowing that he could possibly recover a six-figure or more um, compensation, I don't want to go in and go to court um, behind the eight ball. So I contracted with an attorney. Um, she, she, she's been practicing longer than I have. She's not a huge firm, but she's big enough and she has the assets to front the cost of hiring experts to see if, okay, was this apartment complex liable? Should they have had something in place for people with disabilities to enter in and out of that apartment complex? Wow. So we're not, and definitely I'm not afraid of the insurance company because I have mentors that I can link up with to help me when it comes to, you know, cases that could potentially see, you know, a six-figure, seven-figure seven figure compensation. Wow. And so I, I think that I, I really wish that that was information that was uh, made available to the average consumer because I don't, I think that when we watch TV and we see these TV attorneys, we think that those are the ones that are actually going to get us the most money because they're saying, oh, I got this person $20 million. And our first instinct is to call that person when the truth behind that could be that you got the family $20 million, but the person involved actually died. Um, and, and, you know, there could have been some other dramatic injury. So do in your opinion, do you think that a smaller law firm is going to be more committed to your case? than than our big, you know, big TV attorneys? 
Well, you have some bigger firms out there that are going to treat you like a number. They mm-hmm. have so many cases going in and out. It's like a conveyor belt. Yeah. They want you in, but they want you out all at the same time. Yeah. But a firm like my... A firm like mine, it's a boutique firm, we take every case personally. Yeah. Um, So we're able to engage with the client, um, talk to the client more. You'll talk with me as your attorney, not my paralegal, not my legal assistant. Mm -hmm. I have them drafting the documents, but I speak to my clients. Okay. Unlike, you know, some of the bigger firms that may... Um, when they see your call, they'll reroute you over to their paralegal yeah. or their legal assistant. So you're not really talking to the person who you're hoping to talk to. Wow. Not to throw any of my colleagues under the bus, but that's just the way it is. Yeah. They'll still help you. Um, but if you want someone to sit down and listen to you, um, then we're, we're the firm for you. Okay. And and I like that because it sounds like, you know, the the bigger attorneys, the TV attorneys will get you the will get you some compensation, but it sounds like uh with smaller law firms, they're going to take more of a, a fine-tooth comb and and really kind of hold your hand and be a lot more personal sure. with you. Sure. We eat, sleep and breathe car and truck cases. So, yeah. You know, we're we're not a jack of all trades. We don't do bankruptcy and you know, uh, family law, all in one firm. We focus primarily on car and truck wreck cases, unlike some of the bigger firms that will be your traditional jack of all trades firm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so before you um, started your own firm, you actually worked for another firm. You you were like kind of like a corporate attorney. Yeah. So what, you know, made you say, I don't want to do this anymore? And, and what made you... Um, take your own path and open up your own firm? Sure. Well, I first off, I did love what I was doing when I was working for someone else. However, it got it got a bit much, you mm-hmm. know, getting up at 6.30 in the morning, having to be there at 8, 8.30. Yeah. We're, the office closes at 5, but I'm still there until 7 o'clock, you know. By the time I get home, you know, 8 o'clock, dealing with Atlanta's traffic, I'm ready to just lay down and I have to do it all over again the next day. Yeah. It was fun, um, but I, it, I I wanted something different. Yeah. Yes, I was going to miss the consistent paychecks. Yes, I was going to miss the bonuses. Yes, I was just, you know, I'm going to miss or I was going to miss just walking into the office, sitting at my computer and turning cases over for my boss. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a sacrifice that I had to make in order to be at peace and be happy and spend more time with family and friends. Um, with owning my own firm... I, I, I'm just not a lawyer. I'm a business person, too. Right. Running your own firm, you have to be able to manage the business side of things as well. Yeah. Taxes, you know, keeping track of your hours, keeping track of the money that's coming in, coming out. You know, it's a lot, but it's well worth it at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. And, and it sounds like the trade-off was, you know, maybe consistency for peace oh yeah yeah yep. yeah and I think it's really important that um you know we we be willing to invest in ourselves mm-hmm. and that we are willing to invest in our mental health I think we trade um financial security for um mental stability a lot of times yeah. you know
know, sometimes we'll say, well, I'm getting a paycheck, but I'm depressed on the inside. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a paycheck, but I I don't see my family the way that I would like to see my family. And so it sounds like for you, when you decided to make that move, you got a lot back you know, personally in the process. Right, I did. I think it's very important that we as individuals invest in ourselves. I read this um, uh, inspirational quote. It said, you know, poor people save, rich people invest. Wow. And so to be rich, not necessarily financially, but just to be rich, um, you have to invest, Mm -hmm. whether it's in a business, your own business, yourself, real estate, art invest you know and I just chose to invest in myself yeah um going through seven years of school you know I I just I I was tired of working for other people absolutely so why not start my own thing and possibly pass it down to you know my kids yeah and I think that's really important to um have a mindset of building a legacy mm-hmm. because I think um for the average American, the average consumer, we're we're just focused on paying the bills right now. Right. And we're just focused on getting to the next paycheck, you know, living paycheck to Monday. Mm-hmm. Um and just doing it all over again. But we are not taught, at least I was not taught in school mm-hmm. how to have a lasting legacy and how to build generational wealth. Right. So, um, what's the importance of you passing down what you do to to your next generation? Well, let's face it. I mean, most of us were was not taught how to build a legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's very important that you know we pass things down to our children, our grandchildren. Um, because there is a small pocket of people here in the United States that are doing that. Yeah. And those are the ones that can retire at the age of 40. Yeah. You know, so if not me, if I can't retire at the age of 40, then maybe my kids can. Um, so it's, it's very important that we invest in our children before Mm -hmm. they're even born, you know, invest in our children while, you know, while they're here. So, you know. That way they can teach their children. It's, it's, it's a domino effect. Absolutely. So, if it's so long as... And, and right now, I don't think we have an excuse as to, you know, well, no, I may have not been taught how to, you know, invest and, you know, invest in our children, but we got too much, you know, uh, potential. We have too many different resources out here to learn to be able to pass it down to our youth and to our kids. And I totally agree. I mean, studies show that our generation, the the generation of millennials, um, we are the richest um, generation. We are the most successful. We're the most educated um, and the most entrepreneurial. And that's not to take anything away from Gen X or Mm -hmm. or baby boomers because they laid the foundation. But I think that this is a generation that truly doesn't have any excuses for Mm -hmm. why they can't be successful. Um, But let's talk about one of the components of success, Um, at least for your success. You often mentioned that you had a mentor. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what what role did that mentor play in your success, your overall success? Right. I didn't acquire a mentor until after I graduated from law school. And Mm -hmm. thinking back, it's like, had I had a mentor from middle school high school even up to this point there's no telling where I would be yeah um 
it's because of my mentor that I was even able to start my own practice. Oh, wow. You know, um, he pushed me. He also works um, with car and truck wreck cases. So whenever I have a question, he's there. Okay. Do it this way. Do it that way. Don't include that information um, in the demand. So, you know, I think everybody should have a mentor. And I know they're just not out on the street saying, hey, I could be a mentor for you. But, you know, a mentor could be your pastor, a friend, a colleague, anybody. So it's very important that we all have mentors. And I'm, you know, just as a side note, I do coach um, high school students every year um, when it comes to preparing high school students in becoming uh, an attorney. Okay. I think that that is important because... You don't, you're never taught how to be an attorney until you've graduated law school and taken the bar. Wow. What you learn in law school, you don't use it in your, in the legal profession. So I think that, you know, if we could prepare students now on simple things like how to speak, Mm -hmm. how to write they'll be better off than 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 I was starting out. Yeah. And I totally agree. You know, um, I can say from my own personal experience working in corporate America, having gotten a bachelor's and a master's, I, I mean, there I might use maybe 10% of what I actually learned in school. Right. Um, but what I used to, when I first got into corporate America, what I used to always wish that somebody had taught me was how to speak properly, how mm-hmm. to, you know, um, speak diplomatically via emails to people, you know, and how to just ultimately communicate effectively. And like you say, a lot of that stuff isn't learned until you're out of school. So um, if people wanted like any type of resources for mentors, I mean, you mentioned pastors, but ultimately, where do you think people can find those mentors? Um, you can find a mentor at work, mm-hmm. you know, um, your boss could be your mentor. Yeah. Um, your friend could be your, your mentor. Your next door neighbor could be your mentor. My husband serves as a mentor for me sometimes, you yeah. know, you're, you know, a mentor to me because I mean, look at what you're doing. You're putting information out there through a podcast, mm-hmm. you know, that inspires me to say, Hey, you should be doing something that gives back to the community outside of the legal field yeah. as well. So, I mean, a mentor can be found anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. I, I think you just have to be willing to be a student. There you go. Um, because I, th- I think with as much as I know and as, as much work experience as I have, I still feel like I'm a pillar Um, still learning something Mm -hmm. every single day. And I I feel like I'm a lifelong learner. So even if, you know, this podcast was to, you know, just go huge and I made millions of dollars off of it, I would still say this isn't the best that I can do. I still have to learn. I still have people I can inspire. And I, I just feel like as a person, um, that has several mentors in a lot of different area areas. I think that's probably where um, my level of success, my level of confidence came from. Okay. Um, because I, I don't believe in, in just having one mentor because it's like, well, this person is great 
when it comes to telling me how to diet and exercise, mm-hmm. but they can't tell me anything about business. Right. So I need to right. go to a business person. Right. So, um, but obviously, like you've said, you've had your pastor and even your husband mm-hmm. and a lot of other people in your life have been mentors. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's probably why you're so successful because even as a lawyer, you admit that there's still a lot for you to learn. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's why they call it the practice of law, because we're always practicing. Mm. Always practicing. Yeah. And I know that there's probably a lot of continuing education oh, yes. that goes along with yep. it. Because yep. laws and policies change. change. Yep. Yeah. They sure do. Yeah. yeah. I have a CLE... Thursday, actually. Yep. And that's that's like a continuing learning education. Okay. Yep. Wow. And that's really interesting to know because I think a lot of people might assume that once you become a lawyer and you practice that, you know, the learning stops. You know, no, it's ma'am. just all about what no, you can ma'am. get. People. It continues. It continues. I mean, sometimes those CLEs will teach us you know, the the newer tricks that the insurance company is now playing. So, you know, once someone catches up on their new trick, it's just like, hey, we need to put this out there for you guys to gotcha placed on notice about so Mm -hmm. wow yep so that's really awesome to know that you know you're still continuing to learn in between um taking on these cases Mm -hmm. but also in between being a wife so how do you balance being a lawyer being a business owner you know um with being a wife and you know a friend and a sister you know how does that all work out well, it took practice. It took time. It takes communication, um, most definitely. In the beginning, it was hard. Mm-hmm. It was really hard um, because, like, you, you just pulled out everything that I'm doing. Um, mm-hmm. But my marriage comes first. Yeah. God comes first, and then my husband. Yeah. And me and my husband, we had to get together and talk about, you know, hey, we have to at least one day a week take time away from everything else mm-hmm. and spend more time with each other. Yeah. So we choose a day out the week. It'll likely be on either a Saturday or a Sunday to where we could cut the TV off, close our books, close our emails, shut our phones down and just engage in each other. Yeah. Um, because without it, then you're screaming for a recipe for disaster. Yeah. So um, with all due respect to my clients, you know, you guys, I'm, I'm doing everything that I can for you Monday through sometimes Saturday. But that one day, which will probably be on a Sunday, is for my husband. Wow. Yeah. And I like that you're really intentional about it. You know, I think sometimes we try to schedule in time with our significant others and we'll say, well, maybe I can squeeze it in during this time or maybe we'll shoot for this day next week. But it sounds like you're truly intentional and you're not compromising on that. And and I think that is highly admirable. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you. You you are either gonna be at peace or you're not gonna be at peace. Mm-hmm. If peace, if if your peace is measured on working Monday through Sunday, then all for it. But my peace is working Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. Monday through Friday. But my clients will get the attention that they need and that they deserve. Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, I, I have to also give that same attention to my family when when they call. So absolutely. And I like that. And speaking of family, your family is actually Nigerian, mm-hmm. uh, which I found really interesting. Um, and so just 
what is it like to be from you know you're from here but mm-hmm. your your family is is from Nigeria so what is it like to be Nigerian mm-hmm. but living in America mm-hmm. where I know sometimes there are some very crazy contradictory things that mm-hmm. may happen or things that may test how you feel mm-hmm. um, as a as a citizen mm-hmm. so what is that like well, whatever you've heard about Nigerians is probably true. I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. No, but, you know, growing up in a Nigerian household, you know, it obviously is different than, you know, growing up in an American household. Yeah. For one, you know, my parents, it, it was just either church or you're getting a butt whooping. Oh, wow. School or you're getting a butt whooping. So yeah. that was all that we had, church and school. Wow. My mom didn't believe in sleepovers, anything oh, really? like that. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably why she had five kids. It was just like, where are you going <laughs> over there when you got so many yeah, to play with? Yeah, you got with? friends here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I'm when I was younger, I hated it. Yeah. I hated it, but I'm glad that they instill, especially church in me because mm. but for you know my parents instilling Christ in my life mm-hmm. I, I would be a wreck yeah you know I'd be a wreck so you know it, it was different it, it was different when my friends would be outside playing my daddy would want me to help him plant flowers in the front yard <laughs> and I'd be like daddy everybody oh playing why do I have to help you with these flowers that is so funny wow <laughs> yeah it was fun though it was fun um but you know growing up in Nigerian household we stick together that's one yeah. thing that I know you know my mom and my dad has preached us we always have to stick together mm-hmm. because they're not going to be here forever. Yeah. I, I hate thinking about that, but that's the that's, truth. Yeah, that's reality. And that's reality. And so long as we have each other, you know, you can't go wrong. Family is, you know, important to us. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's why that's why I, you know, take the time out. 24 hours to give to my husband because mm-hmm. I, I saw my mom do that to my dad. So, yeah. You know, being in a Nigerian household, I mean, it was crazy. It, I mean, it but it, crazy, it seems but... like it, it made you a better person. It did. Um, and it's funny because I think that sometimes maybe we don't give our parents enough credit mm-hmm. for the way that we turn out. And, and I think that's, you know, like a millennial problem because we're so independent. Yeah. But, you know, I, I used to say all the time, oh, my gosh, my mom, you're so like old fashioned. Mm-hmm. You, you like you barely know how to text and stuff. <laughs> but right. I was just like, you know, she was from a different time. Right. And oftentimes I, I really thank God that you know she wasn't so modern you know and and always trying to be a contemporary thinker and I I really think that she instilled you know respect and self-discipline um and ultimately just treating people the way you want it to be treated so yeah you know having those Nigerian parents probably (laughs) paid off ultimately I was just like lord (laughs) lord you blessed me with Nigerian parents really (laughs) but I'm happy I'm glad yeah and and is it true like for Nigerian parents um, or families that mm-hmm. you, you guys still speak the language in your home to stay connected? Mm-hmm. My mom, she, I mean, unless 
our friends or unless Omar comes over, she's speaking Igbo all the way through. Okay. I can't speak the language, but I can hear it. Mm-hmm. So when she talks to me, I can understand. Oh, um, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Wow. Whereas my other sisters, they can speak it and they can hear it. I just... Child, I couldn't catch You're just like Americanized. Yeah, very much point. so. Very okay. much so. My brother, he can't speak or hear it. Wow. Yeah. That's really interesting, but I think it's great that um, you guys aren't forgetting about your roots. No. Um, and I think that, you know, for the people that were born in America, you know, we probably can trace back to maybe a, a grandparent or great-grandparent, mm-hmm. but it is very hard to trace back to the language yeah um and, or to the village that we we came from so i think that is is really admirable that you all still speak the language yeah. or you know somebody still speaks the mm-hmm. language in your family mm-hmm. so that's really amazing so We've learned about you as an attorney. We've talked about, you know, your success with your clients. Um, And I know that you offer coaching Mm -hmm. um, to, you know, aspiring attorneys. So if people wanted to book you or they wanted to do a consultation with you, how could they get in contact with you? Well, they can give me a call at 770-629-1383. Um, or they can visit my website at UD dash, that is the symbol and not the word, UD dash law.com. Mm-hmm. But I am on Instagram at the law office of Tracy Udunka. Um, and I know Udunka is hard to spell, so just put UDU and you'll find it. Oh, awesome. <laughs> no, it's really not that hard of a name to, to spell. But, yeah. you know, Tracy, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking a pleasure. with you. Thank you so much um, for your contributions to our community because we know you do a lot outside of mm-hmm. your law firm, but you, you are very active in the community as well. So thank you so much for taking out some time with us. And we thank hope you you'll come back Thank you for inviting me. Oh, of course. Anytime. Absolutely. Just let me know. I'm here. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Tracy. Thank you.